From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome you to this broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. This week, Dr. Cairns continues a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, Blessed in the Field. The text is Deuteronomy 28 and verse 3. Blessed shalt thou be in the field. So was Isaac blessed when he walked therein at eventide to meditate. How often has the Lord met us when we have been alone? The hedges and the trees can bear witness to our joy. We look for such blessedness again. So was Boaz blessed when he reaped his harvest, and his workmen met him with benedictions. May the Lord prosper all who drive the plow. Every farmer may urge this promise with God, if indeed he obeys the voice of the Lord God. We go to the field to labor as Father Adam did. And since the curse fell on the soil through the sin of Adam the first, it is a great comfort to find a blessing through Adam the second. We go to the field for exercise, and we are happy in the belief that the Lord will bless that exercise and give us health, which we will use to His glory. We go to the field to study nature, and there is nothing in a knowledge of the visible creation which may not be sanctified to the highest uses by the divine benediction. We have at last to go to the field to bury our dead. Yea, others will in their turn take us to God's acre in the field. But we are blessed, whether weeping at the tomb or sleeping in it. Save in the arms of Jesus. 
Down through the centuries there have been remarkable visitations of God, during which thousands were gloriously saved. Times such as the Protestant Reformation, the revivals in England under John Wesley and George Whitfield, the Great Awakening in America associated with Jonathan Edwards, were times of genuine spiritual revival. The common factor in all of these events was an undeniable demonstration of the power of God rather than the ingenuity of man. In the early 1950s, such a revival occurred on the Isle of Lewis, one of the Hebrides off the west coast of Scotland. In the course of several years, hundreds of people were converted to Christ, and many churches were built to take care of them. Again, the Holy Spirit of God came down in power. The preacher during those days was the Reverend Duncan Campbell. Yet what took place on Lewis was not due to his pulpit skills, but to the overwhelming moving of God among the people. Strong men, hardened sinners who mocked the preacher, were suddenly struck to their knees by the roadside under conviction of sin. Young people in a local dance hall left their frivolity and ran to the churches, crying for mercy upon their souls. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to make available CD copies of what happened during those revival times on the Isle of Lewis, including Duncan Campbell's own account of that, as well as personal testimonies of people who came to salvation in Jesus Christ during those revival times. To obtain your own copies of what happened at that time, just request the CDs of the Revival on the Isle of Lewis. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or if you wish, you may write, Let the Bible Speak. 
1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. You will be blessed greatly as you listen to these accounts of the power of God at work. As the Lord Jesus Christ approached the hour of his crucifixion, he took time to prepare his disciples for the time when he would no longer be with them physically. In several passages in the Gospel of John, we find Christ telling his sorrowing disciples that when he returned to heaven, he would send them a comforter, referring to the Holy Spirit. In the current message, Dr. Cairns is explaining the various ministries of the Holy Spirit to the people of God. First of all, he comforts God's suffering people. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, the comforter. Now God's people are certainly a suffering people. That's something that isn't too often preached today. We have all, in some way or other, been touched by the charismatic delusion that it's God's will that you never have trouble, that it's God's will that you never suffer illness, or pain, or reverses, or calamities. They have even the audacity to go to the greatest man of God of his age, Job, whom the Lord sets forth as an example of suffering, and an example of faith, and an example of patience. And they have the lying audacity to tell us that it was because Job feared 
that God struck him and God smote him. Whereas God himself says it was because Job was so holy that there was no one else like him in the earth that the Lord, for his own glory, allowed him to go through the fires of suffering and of trouble. Isaiah tells us in chapter 48 and 10 that God's people are chosen in a furnace of affliction. Zechariah tells us that they are an afflicted and poor people. The Lord Jesus in the 16th chapter of John promised his disciples, In this world ye shall have tribulation. Paul and Barnabas warned their early converts as they sought to confirm them in the faith. And they said that we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. And again, Paul was very adamant in telling young Timothy that all that would live godly in Christ Jesus would suffer persecution. So God's people are in a furnace of affliction. And thus it is a major work of the gospel to bring comfort to their hearts. You remember the words of Isaiah, chapter 40 and verse 1? This is the verse that starts the second part of the prophecy of Isaiah, the part that corresponds with the New Testament. You remember that Isaiah has 66 chapters, just as the Bible has 66 books. The first 39 books of the Bible make up the Old Testament. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah make up the first great part of that prophecy, corresponding generally with the Old Testament. Now, in the 40th chapter, he enters into the great evangelical prophecy of the New Testament gospel in all its foods. How does it start? Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. The gospel has as one of its great aims and objects the comfort of the people of God. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the apostle writes to a very troubled people. And he says in verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, listen, the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. He is the God of all comfort. He comforteth us in all our tribulation. Remember what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 15 and verse 4? Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have Hope. This is the great aim of the gospel. Now that gospel can alone bring ease and enjoyment to the believer in this world. I don't want to stop to labor that point this morning, but I want to make it clear. God's people in this world are beset by many ills. They are assailed by all the forces that come upon all men. 
but they are the peculiar and particular targets of their great enemy, the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we've got to learn. We are a seed. It is a mistake for a Christian to think that his happiness depends upon finance. Now, I'm not advocating that you try to live without money. A friend of mine used to say, I don't really have any great love for money, but it's very handy when you're going to the shop. Uh, they somehow or other like to get their hands on it. But uh, I'm not advocating uh, any sort of mystical asceticism or anything of that nature. But I am saying that it's a mistake for a Christian to think that his happiness depends upon finances or upon surroundings or upon all the creature comforts that we have come to be so well used to in this 20th century. These things may in the grace of God be given to God's people for their use for the glory of God. But our happiness does not depend on it. I have known people to spend a fortune trying to buy peace of mind. I have seen people, even Christians, and they have gone on spending sprees. They have sought to satisfy a wife or a husband. Uh, they have sought to, to achieve children by just continually buying getting, obtaining, and they have somehow felt, if only we can change our surroundings, if only we have more things, then we'll be happy. Now, things, as I emphasize, may be given us in the goodness of God, or they may be withholding from us in the wisdom of God. But our happiness does not depend on things. The only ease and enjoyment that a Christian can have lastingly in a world beset with calamity and evil and sin is that which comes through the gospel. The only peace of heart he can get is that which God gives through the gospel. There's nothing more sad than to see a man who saved not enjoying peace of heart and mind because he has lost the vision of Christ and filled his eyes with the vision of the world. There's no sadder thing than that. It's the special work of God the Holy Ghost to apply the gospel to the hearts of the people of God to give them comfort. And he does this in three ways. I'm only going to mention them. You can work them out in detail for yourself. He does so first by his presence. He dwells with us, Jesus says in John 16 and 7, by his presence. Secondly, he does it by his teaching, testifying of Christ. I don't want to go over old ground. I have preached in this a few times in recent months. But the Holy Spirit of God has as his chief work the revelation of Christ to the believer. And the more he teaches a believer the gospel, the more he imparts comfort to that believer. The more he enables a Christian to see Christ, the more he comforts his heart. 
the more he lets a believer understand what he has in Christ, then the more he gives comfort to his heart. So he comforts by his presence. He comforts by his teaching. He comforts by his acts. Constantly working in the believer, guiding and governing, stimulating, rebuking, arousing, and cheering the heart. This is the work of the Spirit of God. It is he who opens the heart to the Bible. It is he who opens the Bible to the heart. He is our comforter. Let me say this to you today. In my experience, that every congregation I have ever addressed has had in it people far more than you would imagine whose hearts are weighed down with trouble. Weighed down with worry. Weighed down with the concerns of this life. Sometimes peace has been taken from the mind because there is no assurance of God's love and God's salvation. One of these things or another. There are people in this meeting today and their hearts are made heavy. Other people can come along and they can simply pat you on the back and say, don't worry. You know, if you're going through some deep waters, for some character to come along and tell you, don't worry, is a very hard thing to take. For it's simply dismissing you and it's simply saying, I'm not feeling what you're feeling. I can't understand what you're feeling. And furthermore, I don't really have much time to try. Don't worry. My friend, if you are among the heavy hearted, if you're among those whose minds and souls are troubled today, let me tell you, that there is a comforter. There is the third person of the Blessed Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, whose especial work it is to come and bring ease in the midst of tension. To bring enjoyment in the midst even of calamity. And there is the enjoyment of Jesus Christ. Peter wrote those seemingly contradictory words in 1 Peter chapter 1. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season if need be, ye are in heaviness. The word heaviness speaks of intense mental depression. Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. What a statement! You greatly rejoice, and yet you are in great heaviness and depression of mind. How can those two things go together? My friend, God's people do go through the heavy times. They do go through the times of calamity. They do go through the times when their sky is darkened and the sunlight seems to be obliterated. They do have the times when all hell is let loose against them and it seems there is no help for their soul. But in those very times, God the Holy Spirit fills their heart with Christ. God the Holy Spirit reminds them of the immutability of God's love in Christ, of the unchangeable power of the atoning blood of Christ. He reminds them 
of their acceptance by God's grace in Christ. He points them to the irreversible act of God in justifying their souls and imputing to them the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He points them to glory and says there is a book there and your name is inscribed in the Lamb's book of life. And in these things God's people rejoice. Oh, they don't like suffering any more than other, any other child of Adam. Their flesh does not react any differently to the searing pain of this world's distresses. But in the midst of the heaviness and the mental oppression and the attack of the devil, there is under their feet an immutable rock, the rock of ages. And there is within their breast an immutable person, the blessed comforter himself, whose ever-present ministry it is to point them Christ's word and to remind them of the things that cannot change. God the Holy Spirit, as the paraclete, first of all, does the work of the comforter. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 